0: Welcome to Reliability Leader, a podcast about how leaders make organizations that create reliable technology. Well, hello, everyone. I'm gonna start off today with a story and then I'll describe the topic I wanna to talk about. But I think you'll find it exciting and it has to do with invention and improving designs from the start. Sakichi Toyota, founder of the Toyota Automatic Loom Works, for which the Toyota Motor Company came from, he became, be, uh, began his career During the years after Japan opened to the West trade and commerce after centuries of isolation. So this is the story, you know, as it's been told, is that uh, Sakichi, in the town he lived, um, uh, fabric, you know, clothing fabrication with hand looms was a big industry. And a lot of the women would, uh, you know, work these looms um, all day. And it was a very central part of their economy. It was very hard labor. So Toyota observed that there was this heartbreaking part of making fabric. And this was the predicament. If one of those hundreds of threads on the loom snapped, the operator would continue, and totally unaware that this had occurred. And what would happen is they'd be creating material that looked defective because that defect would continue to propagate throughout the whole thing and it couldn't be used for clothing. Maybe it would be some other use for it, like for mopping things up, but um, they would have to start all over again. And this one defect um, would cause this when it, you know, there's potential for it to be addressed if they were at least aware of it. <clears throat> so to solve this, he committed himself to inventing a loom that would automatically stop as soon as a single strand broke. <clears throat> so, he gave that idea a name, Jidoka, which was, if you translate into English, would be automation, meaning kind of more of like self-regulation. <clears throat> so the loom was a success, and the Jokota concept was so compelling um, that this was something that could be, of course, applied you know, anywhere, this idea of self-regulation everywhere possible to monitor a defect and stop it from propagating. Um, the idea being let's not produce scrap. So he sold the rights to this patent to the British textile industry, and with the revenue, he started the automotive company of Toyota. So uh, this you know, continued and um, ultimately became the continuous improvement process today that we use, Kaizen, which we're all familiar with. So it not only was the birth of this different way of doing, Um, manufacturing. um, It's sustained as a core element of their business. So what I was interested in talking about today was invention and creation and discovery. And so often we think about it as something where we invent something and it, you know, that base concept has to turn into a product. But what about trying to incorporate methodologies of invention, for the purpose of improving what we have now, and I think there's a couple, couple simple practices you know that can be done, or even just bringing up the idea you know and sharing and looking at historical examples of this with the team and seeing uh, what others come up with. But there's a few other examples that I think are are definitely worth noting. Um, one is the Gore Company that makes you know Gore Tex which that material has found its way into just about every single industry, everything from guitar strings to dental floss to infinite amount of medical products, and then, of course, the fabrics and how they can be used. And the fabrics themselves aren't just for jackets. I mean, those fabrics get used in medical procedures and, you know, patching organs and skin. So one of the core principles for Gore and the reason why they're able to innovate at such a rapid pace is they actually mandate that the technology teams have 10% of their schedule each week free to just free play invent sandbox and you know this is enforced as a actual requirement right because otherwise that easily gets pushed aside by work pressures so it isn't just some empty promise of you know we want you to be creative and free flowing and you know but nothing backs it up um, there is really a sense of disappointment if you don't take this opportunity to do this. So what if you found ways in your organization to do this? <clears throat> it might be hard at first to you know, justify because it obviously is a great cost. It's to some degree short-term in a very short-sighted way, a 10% loss of labor. So I would suggest if you're interested in pursuing, you know, trying to incorporate more invention for incremental technology improvement, that you uh, try and find a way to show value in it on a very small scale. So maybe take one specific project and mandate time <clears throat> in design reviews where people share things just, they've just randomly thought about in their ten percent, you know, free time. And so it's a team of five people, you know. And as long as you probably get two levels of management up approving this, it would be hard to stop it before you are able to show value. And. <clears throat> from a reliability perspective this practice actually has great value as well from reliability one of the hardest arguments we have or cases to make is the idea of doing more work up front in preparation and uh, to you know begin to look at the full begin to look for issue early on to solve as opposed to Quickly designing something and then using test and analysis later to get rid of the problems. More of the Kaizen principle <clears throat> of let's identify things early on, and you know regulate and you know use closed loop feedback early on to make sure we aren't designing in defects. So there'll be some natural crossover with that idea of letting them freely invent early on, because when you invent, a lot of what guides your invention process. Is speculating what could go wrong i mean that's you know we come up with five different ideas and or you know ways a feature could work and usually it's the idea of, you know it's discovering or speculating or working out what couldn't work that helps narrow it down to the one we're going to go forward with and then we go to the next step and do the same thing <clears throat> i think another way uh that you know you could consider doing this is based on this idea this feeling this so, something that I believe, and I believe you know, engineers and inventors are born and they can have many different passing careers and you know, becoming creators. Um, maybe they go to school and do you know, artistic design to help them become ba- you know, better creators, even in technology. Maybe they go to engineering school, maybe they just go into the trades, you know, right away. <clears throat> and I kind of feel like sometimes the engineering path can be the worst. A lot of engineers die in offices, right? They die in the cubicle where the bureaucracy and the, the you know, effectively being focused on something, you know, as a singularity. If you work for an automotive company and you're in their side view mirror division, and all you do is side view mirrors. I mean, I think that that's going to squash your, your excitement for technology. Um, so there's something to be said for encouraging Um, engineers to incorporate their passions maybe why they became an engineer or you know things that inspire them or they into their work a little bit in the sense of can you sponsor in some way um, you know their passions um, for exploration so in other words it's like the gore idea but it's not on company time so what could that look like that could look like having a quarterly exposition, you know, maybe where the company just simply buys dinner and rents a hall and people share their passions. They share their creative passions, you know. Um, you know, one one person is insanely passionate about lasers and he's built, a heli- you know, he builds helium neon lasers and does stuff with diode lasers at home. And, you know, um, you know, and is a little bit of a menace to society with his you know, high-energy lasers that are technically illegal and you can burn things from a distance, you know Um, Those things that get us excited and then there's somebody else who's always been of course There'll be a car guy somewhere or a bunch um, or an airplane guy or and You know let them do that and it not only you know Encourages that activity it rewards them for that kind of innovation creates camaraderie um, And is building new relationships, you know internally around this you can even take it a step further and you could award um, effectively, you know, I don't know, you could sponsor basically their personal projects. It can be for very short money, can make a personal project go forward. I mean, for a big company, $5,000 invested in something is nothing, you know, as far as the type of budgets you normally work with. $5,000 is somebody working in their garage on their passion project where they're pulling together spare parts out of junkyards and just looking for raw materials and You know, things like that can be the difference between really discovering and fulfilling this, you know, this thing you want to pursue and seeing it, you know, uh, be something that works and ending up giving up because it's too frustrating to continually try to get resources and you're negotiating within the house with the family regarding, you know, finances. Sometimes something as simple as that, um, you know, could also, you know, bring about the, you know, this creativity and this discovery. So, you know, what's the payback? The payback could be that, you know, when engineers are looking at technology problems also at work, you know, they're constantly thinking about them. And there's a good chance that some of the projects they do may choose to incorporate it because there is a motivation and a reward with the fact of bringing that innovation to work and showing it and doing it within something that the other people care about. You know, that's a big audience. Um, so it very well could you know, cross over where somebody makes a closed loop control system to control some robot they want at home, and there is a mechanism to be c- controlled at work, and they might bring an interesting idea in from, from that you know, discovery. So then there are also you know, the more um, real program initiative paths you could do. Um, one is simply pulling apart technology. And, you know, of course, there's the idea of benchmarking and pulling apart the technology that your competitors are using and using to compete with you and trying to understand that. Um, of course, from a business standpoint, there's nothing better than what I call the sideswipe. And the sideswipe is what I always try to make sure my customers don't experience. <clears throat> and the sideswipe is... When you know a company spends a tremendous amount of money and time developing a new product, and they are very concerned about time to market, and they push, 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 and you know don't take caution with indicators that are showing that there could be risk here, failure, you know, failure modes there. There's the yep, I totally agree with you, that could happen. I know you saw it in test, but we'll fix it in 2.0, and they get the product out there. And when the product's out there, the customers are saying things like, this is amazing, but I don't think it's ready for prime time. This is amazing. as technology is everything. But I would not, you know, I'm not going to buy a, you know, a large order to, you know, let's say they use it within their industry. Um, or people actually get frustrated and angry and see a brand that they used to trust that they no longer trust. Then what occurs is the side swipe, which is a competitor takes your design. And their product development program is short and inexpensive because they are doing nothing more than making it a robust design. They aren't inventing technology. There's not big R&D expense. You did all that for them. All they have to do is make a version that's a mature design, make the 2.0, and make it faster than the people who invented it. Um, so, of course, you know, in that, sta- in that scenario, in that stage, you could be the one doing the sideswipe <clears throat> you could simply be looking for cutting edge technology products that you don't consider you know, that are in your industry but you know are so small you don't you're not thinking of them as a threat and maybe they never will be but there's a lot to be said for looking for inspiration of what other people are creating and putting aside program time um, to do that Now there's also another version of that and this I think is greatly untapped this is the idea of, uh, looking to technology completely outside of your field, right? This is what Gore keeps capitalizing on, and you know they will come up with a material to make a better thread for a better material, um, and then look to guitar strings, you know that industry just for the heck of it, and dissect how guitar strings work, and look for the common failure modes, and find out that one of the most common failure modes is they fill up with materials, you know dead skin, dust particles that change their sound where if you use, you know, gore material um, that's so resistant and repels those things that it doesn't build up. Um, so you looked to something else, uh, found a, you know, found areas of opportunity for for technology. And actually, I think what it describes is a little bit of the reverse of what I'm saying, um, but it's another point I was going to make. But, and then of course, um, you know, the reverse of that would have been if the guitar string manufacturer had driven that, not gore, and looked around to see, you know, what, other, You know, you've made guitar strings. You made them the same way for decades. And um, what if you look around to see how people are making dental floss, right? What if you look around to see how people are making bicycle spokes? What if you look around to see how people are, you know, manufacturing plastic? Who knows, right? You know, just really start to explore. And you might find something interesting where a plastic manufacturer who has a challenge of drawing plastic string, you know, let's say they one of their products is... Um, is something along the lines of like weed whacker um, you know uh, you know string and uh, they have problems with uniformity and shape the cutting edge technologies to make it you know to where it's like a star shape extrusion so it cuts better versus the competitors that's round and they had a hell of a time with that and they found a special profile for temperature profile like a sine wave profile a temperature over a set period of time kind of ensures that it's with a twisting motion make sure that it's straight and the star Blades come out right. Um, nothing to do, you know, with guitar strings. But you know, maybe you find out that your issue with that, you know, is uh, this that procedure or derivative of it could benefit you. You know, and uh, this could even go on for somebody's making flat sheets of plastic. Right? They might find out that they get they can't. It's hard to meet spec with the flatness, and this idea of sine wave, you know, temperature over time. Um, and then maybe they even add like a cooling, uh, you know, cold air cooling on another side of it or something. Um, They're able to get the flat spec easily, you know, and they greatly reduce their yield. Uh, So there's a few. Um, Another one is try doing something interesting of picking random problems to solve. And this being look for not just problems, but look for symptoms that you ignore. There are you know, I think if you were to stop and think about all the symptoms that you just kind of don't even think about and ignore and push aside because you're chasing actual problems, a lot of times those symptoms are, you know, later on when you are root causing something much farther down the road were indicators of what's going to happen. And it's usually not as clean-cut as a single symptom. There's usually multiple symptoms that indicate multiple variabilities that only when they cross over Will you know cause the issue, and then to dissect that, you need a you know a good design of experiments. So um, I hope these are a few kind of good you know ideas to kind of seed some ways to upfront um, you know make better designs, include innovation, find new things. Um, I'm a big believer in you know energy upfront uh, is a greater you know uh, uh, you, you're quicker and uh, more efficient and less expensive and more innovative. Um, and yeah, I, I, I would love to hear back from any of you that, uh, you know, I greatly enjoy, you know, hearing about that. Um, of course, you always know I do my experimentations um, and fun things that are in different realms, you know, the whole, well, use case 7 idea of exploring creatively, you know, leaving the team unbridled to come up with all kinds of crazy ways the product could be used or things that can happen around it and doing this as early as possible. Please feel free to reach out with any questions on this. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and we'll talk again soon. Take care.